All right, we are in Hebrews 13 today. We're going to just jump right in. If you have a Bible, if you just turn to Hebrews 13. If you need a Bible, just slip your hand up. Uh, we'll have an usher in the back who'd love to be able to come bring you one of these. Hebrews chapter 13. As we start out, have you ever noticed how sometimes we have a struggle with authority? Sometimes we have a, a, a struggle, and, you know, maybe this, maybe this is part, partly being American, where kind of we, we just resist institutions, we resist authority. There's just this, this check in our spirit to this. You know, this makes me think of, of a while ago, I got one of those parking tickets, you know. And uh, I got this parking ticket. Now, I knew that the parking lot had a, 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 a rule that you could only park in the parking lot for such and such time. But, you know, they never check the parking lot. So, I mean, you can park there forever. And so one of those days, I walk out to my car, and there's that white envelope on my windshield. And I'm like, what the heck is this? You know? And so I'm looking, and I'm thinking all the reasons why I shouldn't have to pay this ticket, you know? I'm thinking, well, you know, they never check the parking lot. And then I'm looking and I'm like, you know, look at that sign, that sign that says you can only park here for such and such time. There is a tree with a branch in front of it. So, I mean, and I'm just, this is the way that we operate. We just have a, a, a check in our spirit towards, uh, towards authority. Uh, we just have this idea where sometimes we just want to resist, uh, institutions. But when we look at what God's word says, God's words in, in Romans chapter 13 talks about the government. And it talks about the government has been set up for our good. The government in itself, the institution was set up for our good. The rulers, the authorities. Now I know some of you are saying, yeah, but you haven't seen the rulers I've seen. Now I know this can be abused and I know that there are governments and government officials. Um, we aren't going to mention which side of the aisle that is, but we know that there are Government officials who uh, are, are setting things up for themselves, and, and it's not for the benefit of the people. But institutions in themselves, governments in themselves, are set up for our good, for our benefit. And if you say, well, well, I just, I, I want to rebel against that authority. I want to rebel against rules and, and whatnot. Then let's do this. Let's go on a trip to a place like Somalia. Let's go on a trip to a country that doesn't have the same kind of organization and the same kind of boundaries and same kind of rules. And you look at what happens in a place like Somalia where you've got gang wars, where people are being killed and there's no concern about it. There's no police to go and investigate it. There's no way to find. And, and you want to talk about resisting institutions. Let's go to some of these third world countries and you'll begin to see. Man, I'm thankful that there is a government that has set up rules and regulations for the benefit of the people. Today, we're going to continue on our sermon series called Next Steps. And this really, this sermon series is how we make disciples here at Restoration Church. The goal, the goal for every one of us here is that we would continue to grow in our faith. I don't think we ever get to the point uh, maybe some of you have. I've never gotten there. Where you get to the point where you are so mature in your faith that there's nowhere else to go. You've, you've reached the pinnacle. I don't think we will ever get there. And the idea, is, the idea is, if we're not taking next steps, if we come stagnant, there's really not a way for us to stay where we are. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. And so the goal of this sermon series is to look and say, how can each of us keep growing in our faith? How can each of us take next steps where our faith is being grown and we're becoming more and more like Jesus? 
And so we looked a couple weeks ago, and the first, the first step was really what we call the call to Christ, which really means we are to be, uh, become a believer, to become a Christian. And this is kind of the foundational step you'll see on here. Everything else is built on this idea of the call to Christ. I mean, everything else is built upon this. So, so if you're not a Christian here today, can I encourage you to place your faith in Jesus? Because nothing else really matters if we don't have that taken care of. Then last week, uh, Jim Herring uh, had the opportunity to speak and did a fantastic job speaking on the, the second level of faith, something that we call the, the call to commitment. And in this call to commitment, there's a number of steps for us to take. Jim pointed several of these out. The first one he mentioned was the next step of baptism, which again, we're going to have some uh, we're going to have the opportunity to see some people who are going to take their next step of faith today and be baptized. And this is an awesome opportunity. But he also talked about, he also talked about taking the next steps of, of being in God's word, of, of, of praying, of, of having fellowship with people, of, of serving in the church, of, of giving. And chances are, and we start talking about these next steps of, of commitment, chances are most of us are on varying levels of this. Some of us are, are just trying to get to the point where we can begin to pray and understand how, how we have this communication with God the Father. Some of us are in the process where we're trying to figure out how do we serve? How do we use our gifts for the benefit of, of, of God, for the benefit of his kingdom here on earth? How do we do this? And see, the thing is, this isn't really like a competition. It, we're not really looking to say, well, well, I'm so far ahead of you because I'm already doing half of these things and, and you're just beginning. The goal is that we are all progressing. And that's the desire that we have for this church is every one of us is in this process uh, of growing so we don't get stagnant, so we don't fall away, so that hopefully we can endure to the end. Next week, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to look at what we've called the call to maturity, the call to maturity, which really means that we transition from primarily being a receiver uh, being a, 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 someone who receives uh, discipleship to being someone who now is discipling others. There's a transition from, from receiving and taking for yourself now to giving and be a part of other people taking their next steps. And so our maturity in our faith transitions us, instead of primarily focus, focusing in our own faith, we begin to help others take their next steps of faith. And finally, this is really exciting, on, on Sunday uh, November 30th, we, we are going to look at what we call the call to go. And this is really a look at how do we can be involved in missions. And the cool thing is we have a guest speaker who's going to be here that Sunday. It'll be in two weeks from today. Uh, we have a missionary from Cordoba, Argentina. And I'm super, super excited for you guys to hear from him, hear what ministry he has going on in Argentina. And this is really when you're talking about missions, isn't it great to have a missionary who can come and, and, and share exactly what's happening? So this is going to be a pretty rad Sunday. Make sure you, you, you miss it. But for today, today we're going to come back to that idea of call to commitment. And we've got a, a, a next step uh, of church membership. Now, church membership is something that we have not yet instituted here at Restoration Church. We haven't had that formal membership process. So this is somewhat new to all of us here at Restoration Church. Now, when we start talking about organizing the church and, and structures and membership, oftentimes we have many mixed feelings. When you start talking about the organization of the local church, you hear lots of different comments. You hear things like, you know, the church, the church is all corrupt. It's all about money and all about a pastor's ego. You know, you hear that. You hear people say, well, I, I love Jesus, but it's, it's the church that I've got a problem with. 
Or you hear some people that would say, you know, when you organize the church, it loses its power. And honestly, again, we're, we're, we're talking to, uh, you know, an American culture, specifically those in my generation. These comments begin to resonate with us because our generation tends to have authority and commitment issues. We want to rebel against the authority, and we don't want to make ourselves committed to any one thing for any too long. That just becomes part of the way my generation and those younger than me have grown up. And so, unfortunately, when we start talking church membership, we, we also start feeling, you know, there are those who have been abused by the church. There are those who have been hurt by the church. And I know that there are some of you in here today who have that background, where the church has hurt you, the church has burned you, you feel abused and used. And unfortunately, the other thing that happens when we start talking about church membership is church membership doesn't get viewed as anything more than just a, a social club. You know, you go and, and you pay your dues and you show up occasionally to, to a service and, and you meet people and you hang out with people and, and you feel good about yourself. And, and it's kind of it's kind of just easy, just one of the things we do. And it's kind of one of those social statuses on on on. Well, so and so goes to your church and because they go to your church and they're a cool person, I want to be like them. And so church membership becomes more about a, a social club than really about the organization that God has established to carry his mission forward. But when we look at the Bible, when we, when we look at the Bible, these are not the picture of what it means to be committed to the local church. When we look at the Bible, now I got to say, I wish, talking about church membership, I wish there was a single verse in the Bible that just said this. I wish it said, you must join and become a member of a church. I wish we could find that in the Bible, but there's, there's no verse, there's no passage that really says that. But there is plenty of biblical commands that I believe leaves no doubt that obedience to God and obedience to God's word not only suggests, but demands that we be committed to a local congregation in a way that's much deeper than just having a semi-regular church attendance whenever we want. So this morning we could turn to a number of passages throughout scripture. We could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about church membership. Um, uh, talks about church membership is implied as a metaphor to the body of Christ. That we're to be committed to one another. We could turn to Matthew chapter 18 and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Which speak about discipline uh, within the church and within members of the church. We could turn to Acts chapter 20, which talks about elders and pastors and leaders caring for the flock, uh, caring for the members of the local church. In Ephesians ch chapter 4, Paul talks about the elders and the leaders of the church equipping the members of the church for the work of the ministry. So there's a lot of places that we could turn and, and make a case for why we believe church membership is biblical. But for sake of time and clarity, we're going to do this. We're going to look at one verse today. Yes, I'm going to talk on one verse for half an hour. It's going to be great. So, Ephesians chapter 13, verse 17. Hopefully you're still there. Ephesians 13, verse 17. It'll be on the screen as well. And it starts out with a very difficult word. What's, what, what's that first word? You guys can do better than that. What's that first word? I don't know about you, but did anybody feel like the blood pressure in the room just rise up a step? Anybody nervous? I'm, I'm sweating up here when we start talking about some of these more difficult things. This is not an easy topic, but it's important. Let's, let, let's read this whole verse. Ephesians 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders 
and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So really this verse sets up an, an, an interaction of a relational structure in which the church must, that most of us don't really care for, and we resist. When we hear things like obey and submit, we have this check. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. But again, when we talk about church membership, I don't want to talk about my opinion. I don't want to talk about what I believe. I want to see what God's word has to say. And so looking at this verse, there's two observations that I feel like we want to deal with. The first observation is the author says this. The author says, obey your leaders and submit to them. That's number one. That's the first thing I think we have to look at within this verse to come to an understanding of. And the second one is this. He says, the, they, the, the leaders, are watching over your souls as one who will give in account. So let's deal with the first observation first. The question is this. If there is no biblical requirement to belong to a local church, then which leaders should we as individual Christians, which leaders should we obey and submit to? I mean, when we, when we go and visit churches, when we decide we're going to commit to a church, we don't walk into the church thinking, yeah, this is where I want to submit and obey these leaders. We walk into a church and we say, man, I like this church. The preacher, he's really handsome and funny. You know, a few laughs. Thank you. Thank you. We walk into a church and we say, man, you know, I like the atmosphere. I like the people. You know, it's got a beautiful building. The music, it's, it's phenomenal. The kids program. I mean, we look at a church and we begin looking at these things. And this is how we typically will make a decision as to whether or not we want to be involved with the local church. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that think into thought. We're, we're not thinking about what the Bible just said. That the leaders are people that we are supposed to submit and obey. And again, since we're talking about church membership and whether or not it's biblical, I think it's fair for us to ask this question. If the Bible says we must submit and obey to the church leaders, what leaders? Which leaders are we to submit and obey to if there is no church membership? I mean, there's a lot of Christian leaders out there, aren't there? I mean, you can think about this. If we're supposed to submit and obey to the church leaders, and if there is no church, if there is no requirement for church membership, then let me ask you this. We'll just throw this one out, okay? You guys have heard of Westboro Baptist Church. They've got elders in their church. They've got a pastor of their church. They've got leaders in their church. If there is no church membership, are we to submit to their elders? Are we to obey their leaders? Are we to go picket the, the funerals of our soldiers who have died in battle? I mean, do we have to submit to them? Do we have to listen to them? Do we have to obey them? I mean, the Bible's clear, right? Submit obey. But if there's no structure of the church, if there is no process of defining who we are committed to and who is committed to us, then who is it that we are to submit and obey to? This is kind of one of those rhetorical questions. I'm not really looking for an answer. I think it speaks clearly for itself. I don't think we're supposed to obey the leaders of Westboro Baptist Church. I think there is a process that we have to define who is our leaders that we submit and obey to. And the second observation, the second observation that the, the leaders that we are supposed to submit and obey to, the Bible says that they are watching over our souls as one who will give an account. Now, as a, as a pastor, as, a, as an elder, as a leader, let me say, I, I get it. I get it. We hear things like obey and submit to our leaders, and that's hard. That's difficult. 
Many of us want to resist that. But do you understand the crushing weight that God's word puts on those in leadership? Do you understand the crushing weight that God just said to those in leadership? There, there is an overwhelming weight to being a leader within the church, a pastor, an elder, because I'm going to be held responsible for the care of each of our souls, for how we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. I mean, for those in church leadership who take this call seriously, who take the call to shepherd the church seriously, do you understand the kind of heavy burden that is, is bared? Church leadership is not designed to be about power or status or manipulation. It's about caring for souls. It's about, it's about caring that people remain faithful and endure to the end. Church leadership, for me, is all about asking God to be merciful, asking God to give me wisdom, asking God for our team that we would have boldness, for insight into the word of God, that we would have courage to do what we need to do so that we could be concerned for your souls. Let me paint this just a little bit differently. My wife, Samantha, and I, we've got five kids. Let's just say, for example, we've got a babysitter. We've got a babysitter, and we're like, all right, hey, babysitter, you know, here's, here's our expectations for tonight. You know, we want the kids in bed by uh, 8.30. Uh, we don't want a log of sugar. And, you know, if you could just pick up a little bit after yourself, that would be wonderful, you know. So we go out. We come home. We come home. The TV's gone. One of the kids is missing, and there's chocolate syrup and, 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 and whipped cream and sprinkles all over the floor, right? Is that going to be a big deal? Is that going to be a big deal? I think so. I think so. We'd have a major problem here because I would have trusted this person with something that is most precious to me, which is our children. This is how I feel about being a pastor. That God has handed me something that he loves so much that his blood was spilt for it. The garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sweated drops of blood. Agony. He had, he had screams as if the nails were driven through his hands and his feet. He was being mocked. He absorbed all of the wrath that was for you. So that you might be born again. So that you might be made spiritually alive. And God seeing that it is right. And seeing in his own sight, he has handed you over to the elders of this church to be cared for, to be matured, to be nourished, to be encouraged towards maturity. This is what it means to be in church leadership. And I know some of you have not seen this done well, and I'm sorry you've had to experience that. But I'll tell you, this is the weight that I feel as a leader in this church of God has given me his most precious commodity, which is all of you. And there's going to be a day when I have to stand before God and I have to give an account for how I led this church. And that is a crushing weight. That is a crushing weight that is almost too much for me to bear. So again, we're talking about the structure of the church, specifically membership. And the question that I have to ask, my, that I have to ask God is this. Who am I to give an account for? Who will I stand before God to give an account for? Our leadership team here at Restoration Church, who are we to lead? Are we responsible for all the Christians in the Yakima Valley? Are we responsible for all the Christians in the Pacific Northwest? Are we responsible for all the Christians throughout the entire world? 
You see, there are some churches and, and some Christians that have wandered away from the foundational truths of, of Christianity. They've wandered away from the Bible being the authority. They've wandered away from, from the, the true and saving gospel. Will I give an account for how those Christians and how those churches live? For what they teach in their small groups? For how they spend their money? For what they do or what they don't do with the Great Commission? Or is there some sort of process that defines who it is that I'm going to give an account for? Again, this is one of those rhetorical questions. I'd suggest, I would suggest that the best way for us to understand this verse about submitting and obeying our leaders and our leaders caring for the souls as one who will give an account, I think this is best understood in light of church membership of local church membership, of being committed to the local church. So the idea is this, that the organization of the church, church membership, it's structural. There has to be some sort of structure to it. But I want you to see it's also relational. There is a relational component that cannot be dismissed. We, as Christians, we obey and we submit to our leaders, but our leaders, they are to love and to shepherd those who are obeying and submitting submitting. There is a relational aspect to it. It's not heavy-handed leadership. It's not controlling. It's understanding that the leaders will give an account to God for how they took care of his bride. So how does, how does membership work? How does this process of being committed to the local church work? How does that membership look? It really comes down to commitment. It all comes down to commitment. It's the commitment of Christians to God and, and commitment to the leaders of the church. And then there is a commitment of the leaders to God and a commitment of the leaders to the people of the church. Now, we won't get into these today, but there are biblical guidelines for how church leaders and expectations of how church leaders are to love and to care for the members of the church. And there's biblical guidelines throughout the Bible about how church members are to confront and deal with church leaders who are abusing their power or have wandered away from the way that God established the leadership of the church. We could look into those, but for sake of time, we aren't going to do that today. That's not what we're looking at today. But one of the, but, but one of the, both of these things, both of these things, the, the church members submitting and obeying to the leaders and the leaders loving and shepherding the people as one who will give an account, there is a mutual commitment to each other that has to happen for this to work. For the church and for the mission of God that God has given to the church of making disciples of all nations, there has to be this mutual commitment to each other. Sometimes commitment, sometimes commitment is difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think about how, how many of you can think about it in your marriage and you think, you know, there's times in your marriage that it's hard. There's times in your marriage where you're just butting heads. Now, I know our marriage has never experienced any of that because, you know, I'm the pastor. Just kidding. Just kidding. There are times in marriage that it is hard. And you know what gets us through the hard times? Commitment. A commitment to each other. A commitment that we're going to stick this thing out because this is what God has said to do. So as we try and wrap up our time this morning, again, we want to be short for sake of baptisms. Let me just share with you how we will do membership here at Restoration Church. To become a member at Restoration, we've got, you've got to attend a membership class. And we've got that scheduled here uh, first Monday in January. Um, let me tell you, in this class, let me tell you all, all that we're going to do. 
We're going to come, and we're going to put all of our cards on the table. We want you to know who we are. We want you to know what we're doing. We want you to know how we're going to do it, where we're going. We want you to know what we believe. Because we don't want you to become a member of the church and two years from now say, what, we believe that? What? what why are we doing this? We want to put all of our cards out on the table. To give you a picture of what this looks like, imagine if we were dating, okay? On the first date, we're not going to doll ourselves up. We're not going to put on that, that, that makeup and, and make ourselves look really good. We're just going to put it all out. This is who we are. This is what we believe. This is how you get involved. This is what the leadership structure looks like. This is the expectations of leaders. This is the expectations of, of members. This is who we are and how we're doing it. If you're a football player, you can picture it like this. Hey, we run a 3-4 defense. And, and, and this is what we want each member of the defense to do. And this is how you get involved. And this is, this is what the membership class is. We're going to lay it out. We're not going to make ourselves look better than we are. We're going to say this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is, uh, have an opportunity for you to ask questions. And there's going to be some questions that we haven't processed through. There's other questions that we are, are ready to give an answer to. But that is what the idea of, of a membership class is all about. And after that membership class, we have the chance to kind of throw ourselves out before you. We're going we're gonna to give you a document that we call our, our covenant. Our covenant. And in this covenant, we're going to ask people to, to uh, commit to four basic guidelines. There's four basic guidelines we're asking people to commit to. We'll ask you first to commit to protect the unity of our church. This means that we act in love towards one another. This means that we refuse to gossip about each other. This means that we respect each other. We respect the leaders. We honor each other within the church. Secondly, we'll ask you to commit to share in the responsibility of our church. This means that, that the growth of the church and the health of our church isn't just on us. It's on every one of us. That means that we are praying for the growth of our church. That means that we are inviting the unchurched to attend with us. And that means that when the unchurched come and new people come, that we all are involved in warmly welcoming them, welcoming them and inviting them in to become a part of us. We'll ask you thirdly to commit to serve the ministry of the church. This means that every one of us has a role to play, has a piece of the puzzle to fill. And so this means that we discover our gifts and our talents, that we, that we develop a servant's heart to do whatever needs to be done. And this means that we agree to being equipped and trained by the leaders and by the elders to serve within the church. And fourthly, uh, in that covenant, we'll ask you to commit to support the testimony of the church. This means that you commit to attend faithfully, to, to live a godly life, and to regularly support the, the, the ministry of the church. And let me point out, notice this is called a covenant. This is called a covenant, not a contract. A covenant means this. A covenant means I'm going to, by the Holy Spirit's power, I'm going to try my best to be this for you. And if there's a reciprocity, if there's a commitment back and forth, then this will be a lot easier. But if there's not, it doesn't change. I will still commit to doing what God is asking me to do. And see, I just, I just believe, I just believe that if we, if we both covenant together, if we covenant as a church together, we commit to each other, both the church members and the church leaders, if we commit to working together, to, to loving each other, to obeying and submitting the leaders, and, and for the leaders to care for the souls as one who will give an account before God, I just believe that we really have a shot of something really beautiful right here. 
that we have a shot at making a difference in our city, of helping God to transform our city. But it takes a commitment by all of us that we commit to the mission that God has given us, that we commit to, to that, that the relationship between the, the leaders and the church, and that we be in this, we link arms and say, let's do this together. Would you pray with me? God, I know that there are some in here who are in a season where this is, is easy and even delightful to hear about the opportunity to commit to this church. God, I know there's some of us also in here who this is not where we are. There are men and women who have been battered and bruised in here. And God, would you, would you now do your work where, where something has been misheard or fear has crept in or there's been this pain or this hurt and, and the enemy has, has gotten a stronghold? God, would you, would you break that today? God, would you do a work in our heart? God, as, as David cried out, God, would you break the jaw of our enemy? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you help us to understand the structure that you have given for the church, Lord, that we would not just be those lone people out in the world, but God, we would rally together and that as a group, we would be used by you to make a dent and a difference in this city. God, I pray that those who have been hurt, God, that you would begin to, to heal those wounds. God, that there would be an ability to commit to each other. God, help us to be these kind of people. God, I pray that you would help us move forward in obedience, that, that you would move us forward in glad-heartedness to, to obey and to submit. And God, I pray that you would continue to protect my own heart and the heart of our leadership team here at Restoration, that we would continue to feel the weight of, of what Hebrews 13 said, that we would take very seriously the call to shepherd the church that you have paid so much for, that you have ransomed from, that, God, we would, would care for them and love them as one who would give an account to you. So, God, would you help each of us to feel the weight of the seriousness of this subject? And, God, would you give our hearts to gladly obey your commands? God, it is through your holy and precious name I pray. Amen.